Is this the Invisible Man? What happened? It, it is, sir. Uh, again, this is the Invisible Man 733 Presents. And you are Assistant Chief Minister Mustafa Saleem of the Lost and Found Nation of Islam under the leadership, guidance, and direction of the Honorable Silas Muhammad. Thank you for getting back. We were doing quite well, and there was a disruption. Uh, the technical part is really out of my hands, and I'm yeah. happy you were able to get back. We were talking about the real deep meaning of what it means to be an Afro-descendant. And as you were really just opening so much information up and making it very plain to see, we had technical difficulties. Now, I'm hoping that we can connect that, or we might have to do it in two separate uh, parts. But where you were, you were talking about, we had talked about forced mixed breeding rape, and you were talking about religion, and you yeah. didn't really get a chance to complete religion. So you'd address religion to that extent, however you care, because when you had originally said it, you said religions, and so you were talking about how it relates to an Afro-descendant. Right. Carry on. Again, we don't want to make religion uh, an obstacle for our unity, because a lot of people think that we're trying to make Muslims, and we are trying to make Muslims, but we don't make Muslims an, a prerequisite for being identified as Afro-descendant or part of the Afro-descendant nation. I'm still going to be Muslim, uh, and you may still want to be Christian, or you may want to be Moors, you may be want to be Hebrew, Israelite, or whatever your religion preference is. But we were stripped of our religions as we come into the Americas and the slavery diaspora. So religion is important because it encapsulates our faith. Faith is one of the things that we have remaining when there's nothing else left to show and prove that we have a certain position. Our faith in that allows us to display and express our innermost being. Mm. So religion is very, very important. And if you take away a man's religion, you take away a part of what makes him who he is. Mm. Well, I thought of one word as you were saying that. Persevere. Yes. Oh, because that seems, and we must, we must acknowledge that takes away what a woman can believe or a little child too. Because yeah. I think uh, children sometimes have a better understanding of, of a belief system than anybody. They say yeah. they're the most honest. <laughs> yeah, they are. Yes, sir. Brutally. Oh, yes, sir. No, they're just mean. That's what it is. <laughs> uh, little children that's listening, you're not mean. Uh, you're just too honest. So <laughs> let's go on. The last one is number six have experienced racial discrimination due to lost ties or partially lost ties from their original identity. Now, it's number six, but it's not the least or the last. It stands out and overshadows everything else. It 
from what I'm looking at. Please give us a, a breakdown, sir. The thing that I can show show people that they can visualize and very clearly see racially discriminatory practices that have caused us to be separated from our original identity. We have been called niggas. We've been identified as uh, African-Americans, colored people, and all different kinds of names that we've been given. And almost always to separate us and cause us to, to disunite from one another. When the officer put his knee on George Floyd's neck for nine minutes and 29 seconds and looked into the eye of the camera as he was doing it. And what you felt watching it was pure, unadulterated racial discrimination, a, a unadulterated abuse, and unsympathetic to human needs. Everybody got to breathe. And you heard a man say, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. You saw racial discriminatory action in progress before your very eyes. We've been racially discriminatory, dis, dis, discriminated in education. One of the chief justices of the United States Supreme Court, Thurgood Marshall, tried to get into the University of Maryland to study law. They wouldn't allow him to enter in when he first went to join, uh, be educated into mm -hmm. the law. Yes, sir. So, and, you, and you're familiar with him because you're in Maryland. Yes, so you sir. Know about the history of Thurgood. Well, he's been he's been lifted up as an icon. He, him and his work with the NAACP. Right. Yes, sir. Uh, as you were talking about the incident that shook up the world, I remember. I'm losing you again. He shook up too, and his death caused an outpouring of people to recognize that we have been victims of abuse, discrimination, and it was just, I, I don't want to go past that moment for a second. I want to say what he did. One of his dying breaths, he called out for his mother. Yes. Can you yeah. can you just touch on that, please, for a moment? 
I've not been in a situation like Floyd's situation, but I experienced situations where next to calling on God, you call on your mother. The, the person who say gave life to you, when you're in desperate situations where you have no visible means of help and support, God and your mother, you, you trust that they will always be there for you. And that's what Floyd, George Floyd was experiencing. No other means of support or help. He couldn't even breathe. And so he called in his last dying breath, he called on his mother. Not so much that she could do anything, but he wanted to connect, reconnect with his mother in his last moments. And like I say, you witnessed the greatest abuse in your modern times uh, of racial discrimination. And absolute outright murder, right murder. before our very eyes. Yes. Well, uh, I'd like to move on, if I may. Yes, sir. We, we did, and I hope we can get the uh, segment that we did earlier, where you brilliantly explain Afro-descendant and yes. the meaning of each of the parts. Now, where did that idea come from and who provided the definition? The Honorable Silas Muhammad, leader and teacher of the Lost Found Nation of Islam, was in the UN and he was discussing our identity with 19 other representatives of different nations, 19 different nations, what we were to be identified as because we didn't have an identity. They thought in the UN that black people in America wanted to be considered with the rest of the people in America white. Oh. And we didn't have a place in the in the UN where they could readily place us. Yes, and sir. so the question of identity came up and Mr. Muhammad wanted us as the lost found people. But there were uh, numerous other of us in the diaspora being represented and the name Afro descendant had already been adopted. But they didn't have a definition for it. Okay. So the Honorable Silas Muhammad and the Queen, uh, his wife, Mishaki Muhammad, she and he sat down and drafted the meaning of Afro-descendant. And why is it important for us to have a definition? Because there is a group out there on the horizon also fighting for reparations and the rights, the human rights of black people that have identified themselves as people of African descent. And certainly we are people of African descent, but a white person from South Africa can also come forward 
and say that they are people of African descent. Yes, sir. So we don't want to confuse the issue with someone coming in and among us who did not go through what plantation slave children went through just because they came from Africa or descended from African blood. Okay. We, we don't want that confusion. So Mr. Muhammad gave us a definition which we use and it has been accepted in the UN and our identity, our global identity today is Afro-descended. And it doesn't matter uh, what, what your religion is, what your culture practices have been, you're part of the Afro-descended nation. Oh. And by the way, we number like 250 million uh, in, in the Americas and, and throughout the slavery diaspora, around 250 million of us identify as Afro-descendant. Yes, sir. Don't identify it as Afro-descendant. Okay. Well, let's get to the major topic for the show, which is Afro-descendant. of July 4th to contemporary practitioners of Islam. But before you explain that, perhaps you should say, what is the difference in a contemporary Muslim and, and a person who practices ancient Orthodox Islam? As the word contemporary suggests, we, we are modern-day Muslims. We, we, we practice modern day practices and they're somewhat different than the orthodox muslims practice uh, we identify with a different form of worship and our our gods are while they are called allah we worship allah submit our will to allah we ask and answer the question of who is Allah? Uh, uh, more more uh, than that, what is Allah? And we were given an understanding uh, that God is man and man is God. And that's one of the biggest things that separate Orthodox Islam from contemporary Islam is we have identified God as a human being and they still practice Islam with God as a spirit oh. and that's the difference and the other big difference is that Orthodox Muslims say and believe and practice the position that Muhammad of Arabia, Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him who lived 1400 years ago was Allah's last messenger. And we do not accept that he was the last messenger. He was a messenger and he was the last messenger to have appeared on the scene prior to the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, but he was not the last messenger to the world. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad was the last messenger to this world of evil that we have been living in for the past 6,000 years. So that's the big difference and the manner in which we pray. They s submit 
to Allah by demonstration of putting their heads in on the floor in prostration. Uh-huh. And we stand erect, as the messengers say, as a soldier before his captain, upright. Yes, sir. We spent a number of years, 400 of them almost, on our knees begging and pleading uh, for God to come and help us. And uh, when he came, he said, get up off your knees. Okay, now slow down. I want to backtrack a bit. Okay. Uh, it's pretty insightful. The difference between one and the other, modern and old or old and new, contemporary and ancient, uh, the belief in the human being, man, and may I add, man, woman, and child? Yes, being, sir. And... I guess that would be the spirit man, woman. Is there such a thing as a spirit man, woman, and child? That's no. a serious question. Yes, sir. And I don't mean to make light of it, but who came and gave someone that information? And could you address that, please? This, this brings us to the most significant event that have ever happened in the history of the human family. Mm -hmm. This is so important to understand. In the year 1877, February 26, a man was born in Mecca, Arabia. And when he reached the age of about 33, he decided after having read the history of the human family, studied it, that there was a people who were a righteous people, a people who belonged to the original tribe called Shabazz that were missing and that they needed to be returned to their rightful place in the universe and to be placed back in the position among the human family that they had lost. And he decided to come and find that people, that people that he had read about in the history of all of the people on the planet this people were most in need of finding and restoring because they had been stripped, as we've discussed under the de definition of Afro-descendant, they had been stripped of themselves. They had no longer identified with who they once were and he needed to come and find them. In preparation to come and find them, he learned 16 different languages. He could speak 16 and he could write 10. He even learned to communicate with the birds and they gave him assistance. When he came to America, he first got here around 1910 or 1911 
and he made several trips out of America until he decided to make his presence known on July 4th, 1930, when he wanted to know what would America do to assist in helping his people. And he, there was no positive response to them doing anything to help black people. Okay, if I may, that's quite yes. a bit to digest. Yes. Someone was born in Mecca, Arabia, and he made it his job to find a people who were lost. Yes. Who did you say the person's name? I didn't say the person's name because I don't know what name he had at birth. Oh, yes, sir. I do know that the Honorable Elijah Muhammad said that he met him in 1931 mm -hmm. in Detroit. Okay. And when he met him, he was utilizing the name or the name Prophet Farad. Okay. And he he called himself the prophet like Moses. Mm. He utilized that terminology and he signed his name W. F. Muhammad. Yes, sir. Okay. And he used several different names, but he ultimately, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad called him Master Farad Muhammad. Okay. So now, July the 4th. July the 4th. In, in uh, the city of Detroit, Michigan. Right. Is when they met. In 1931. Okay. Now, here's the question. Was he able to meet him by himself or did somebody help with the introduction? When the introduction took place, he was at a meeting. And prior to that meeting, the Master Farad Muhammad had already been conducting meetings, open meetings. They had started out in, in the home, mm -hmm. but they had gotten a, a building and they were meeting in the building. Yes, sir. And Sister Clara, the wife of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, had gone to one of these meetings. Okay, can I ask you a question sure. before you continue? Mm -hmm. Was his name Muhammad at that time? No, he was Elijah Poole. Okay, thank you. It, and, and he went with Sister Clara because she told him that I've heard a man speaking and I heard him say some of the very same things that I've heard you say. Mm. You need to come and meet him. And so he went to listen to Master Farad Muhammad and what he had to say. Once it was over, the meeting was over, the messenger came to him and asked him, what is your name? And he said, I am the one that the world have been watching and waiting for, for the past 2000 years. 
And he said, but what is your name? He says, my name is Makdi. He said, well, what's your real name? And he whispered in his, into the Honorable Elijah Muhammad at that time, and Elijah Poole whispered into his ear, I know who you are. I know, <laughs> I know, I knew who you were on sight. <clears throat> you are God. And he whispered into the ear of the messenger, don't tell anyone. So Master Farad Muhammad came to North America under the cover of darkness as, a, as a, the, the scripture would uh, identify him. Yes, sir. As a person coming as a thief in the night. Hmm. Because we had been captured and forcibly brought under these conditions. When he saw us in these conditions, he knew he had to do something about it because we had come to the end of the time of the rulership of the people in power and had been in power for 6,000 years and their time was up and the judgment was going to take place and we were going to be subjected to a judgment without knowledge of, of, of anything, of who God was, who the devil was, who we are, we was totally stripped of all knowledge and been forcibly brought into these conditions. And it wouldn't have been just for us to go under judgment without first having been taught. Yes, sir. Now, again, you, you are supplying me with so much information, and I'm sure the audience, let me ask a few simple questions. Yes, sir. Okay. What is the reason or was the reason for the existence of the lost found nation of Islam? The nation of Islam was utilized as the first means by which we might be brought together and unified. Hmm. And unified first through the religious aspect of the nation of Islam. One of the first amendment rights is freedom of religion. And Master that's, Farad Muhammad that's a, being that's this country, right? Yes. Yeah, first this amendment. Yeah, you have freedom to practice your religion. Okay. Right, right. Okay. I'm sorry for cutting you off. Go ahead. That's okay. With, with that as a backdrop, he devised us a plan in which he could bring us together under one banner mm -hmm. because he, he came here with a banner uh, we call a flag. Yes, sir. And brought us under this flag so that we might be possible for us to be brought before the world and put on the world stage as a people that were worthy to be made, uh, re-brought, uh, made into a people of family Mm -hmm. of the human family. So Master Farad Muhammad and the Honorable Elijah Muhammad began to educate, teach, and train us on how to live a more peaceful, a more 
humane, a more knowledgeable lifestyle. And he regimented us. We had what was called the, uh, let me not go there. But, no, no. Yeah, because you, you, you've been very extensive. We, we have to have you again. Yes, so, yeah. The 4th of July is a day that contemporary Muslims celebrate just like uh, American citizens. Yes. Yeah, but we don't celebrate it for the same reason. Oh, the the Americans celebrate the Fourth of July as Independence Day, when the Constitution was first drafted and signed by some of those delegates who mm -hmm. were in Philadelphia in 1776. So we know the history of why they celebrate independence from England. They declare their independence and they celebrate the 4th of July as their Independence Day. Well, yes, sir. Master Farad Muhammad, on our behalf, in our behest, not our behest, but in our behalf, mm -hmm. declared Independence Day for us here in America who were once slave children. We are the descendants of those slave children. We were declared as a nation in the wilderness yes, of North America. He identified us first as a lost, found people in the wilderness of North America. Yes, sir. Okay. Now, how does the lost and found nation of Islam translate into the Afro-descendant nation? When Master Farad Muhammad and the Honorable Elijah Muhammad met, and they did spend like three and a half years together, almost day and night when, with the Master Farad Muhammad teaching the Honorable Elijah Muhammad what he needed to know to save us. And in, in the law, I want to interject this thought. In the law, a person is said to intend to do what is the natural and probable consequences of an act that they perform. We don't know the exact words that were utilized by Master Farad Muhammad and the Honorable Elijah Muhammad in their exchange of what it needed to be done for us. But they had the idea of a nation in their mind from the beginning, that we were a nation within a nation and we needed to be separated from the other nation. So the nation of Islam was given birth to through the teachings of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. Mm. So the nation of Islam had to first itself be born. Yes, sir. And the Honorable Elijah Muhammad gave birth to the nation of Islam. Well, we fell and we needed to be resurrected again, brought back into the fold again, put back on the uh, world stage. 
Yes, sir. And the Honorable Silas Muhammad felt the same kind of comp uh, being compelled to deal with this people and their condition the same way that the Ambi Elijah Muhammad and Master Farai Muhammad felt about dealing with our situation. The Honorable Silas Muhammad felt the same way about dealing with our situation because we had fallen. We had moved away from uh, our independence. We yep. had moved away from our uh, autonomous state mm -hmm. and he needed to put us back on, on the right track. And so we had now to bring us all together because that's what the books prophesied that a man would do. Yes, sir. He would find us, a man would find us, and a man would gather us and bring us together, and we would be one nation under God. Yes, sir. Our God. There's more than one God. I, sure. I don't know if you know that. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And one God is a God of evil, and there's a God of righteousness. The God of evil would be called the devil. That's it right. That yes, is sir. right. Okay. And he's been in ruling. He's been ruling for the last six thousand years, and the time for his rule over us and the world is up. Yes, sir. Well, uh, Assistant Chief Minister Salim, I don't know what to say. Uh, I'm just hoping that the first part of the segment we can have secured, but. From what you've given us now and the length of time, uh, it's half an hour. I don't want to tire you. I know that you have things to do. Yeah. You, you've explained to us the significance of the 4th of July to Afro-descendants. We really had a wonderful uh, lesson on the description and understanding of what it means to be an Afro-descendant. Now, is it possible could you give us any scripture to support who Elijah Poole, who became Elijah Muhammad, was? Is there anything to back him up in the scriptures? And is there anything that you can use from the scriptures that people read to bring us an awareness of the understanding of this man who you said, Master Farad Muhammad? And yes, sir. I know you have access to lots of different scriptures it could be anyone so whichever one you choose please sir in the book of revelations the 12th chapter of the book of revelations they describe two births one of the births takes place in what is called heaven and the other birth takes place in what is called the wilderness. The birth that took place in heaven because heaven is a place and it's a, a physical place that we call heaven anyway. The original people call Mecca Arabia their heaven. Yes, sir. Master Farad Muhammad was born in Mecca Arabia on February 26, 1877. When he was born, he found a person, a vessel in the wilderness of North America 
that he could implant the knowledge that he had obtained from years of study and experiences that he had that he had that would cause the messenger to become the messenger and to become impregnated with the truth that he had brought. And that one is described in Revelations 12, 4. Now the messenger during the course of his teachings had indicated to us that the woman that's there in Revelations 12, 4 actually referred to the messenger of God, the last messenger who would also include the Negro, uh, the so-called Negroes at that time would encompass not only the followers of the messenger, but also encompass the entire Negro race, as they are called, who were at that time not ready to be delivered. And as like a mother giving birth to a child, a single child, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad gave birth to a nation that is described in the book of Revelations and people identify with it as Mary. So mm. the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, peace be upon him, was that spiritual woman called Mary. And that child born in heaven was Master Farad Muhammad. And he impregnated the Honorable Elijah Muhammad as the story goes in the scripture, when the, the truth of the matter is that the spirit, the, the, the force of will that the Master Farad Muhammad had with him, in him, that was who he was, the embodiment of Allah, God in person. Mm -hmm. and the Honorable Elijah Muhammad recognized him as such. That yes, Master Farad Muhammad, the man, the human being, was the embodiment of Allah. And what is Allah? That is something that I'd like to go into Please. next time. Oh, that we no. okay. All right. I know I've taken quite a bit of your time. Again, I'm not sure if the first part will be made available because... We did have te technical difficulty, but let me recap. We got about a minute or so, and then I won't take any more of your time. I have to get you to come back and start again. Yes, sir. You, in this segment, told us the difference between old world Islam, new world Islam, who Elijah Poole became. He was the last messenger. And I want to hear next time more information about who this man, the Honorable Cyrus Muhammad, is. Yes, sir. It would be a okay. pleasure. Okay, so now I'm going to give you the last word, uh, whatever you want to say to the listeners about the 4th of July, about Afro-descendants, or whatever you want to say. The floor is yours. This is the day of judgment. Whether you will submit to righteousness and truth, or whether you will submit to evil and unrighteousness. We have two ways of looking at 
where we are today politically. One, you can assimilate into and continue to be a part of what has happened to us, just like it happened to George Floyd. We can fight for the rights to be a part of this system, continue to fight and fight and die and fight and die and fight and die. Or we can choose our own path, the path of independence, the path that we were placed upon in 1930, a pathway to freedom, justice, and equality. We keep fighting for something in America and the other places where we've been made slaves and treated uh, abusively. We, we fought for those and we've been denied, con constantly denied. It's like the carrot in, this, uh, in the front of the, the dogs. Or, mm, carrot and stick. Yeah. They, they keep moving the finish line. Yes, sir. When will you be finished trying to get equality? When will you just say enough is enough? We've come to the end of this world and you got to make a decision about what the future of you and your children will be. Whether it will be a, a, a continued force assimilation or will you choose self-determination? Self-determination to decide for yourself as we, we've decided 19 different nations to be Afro-descendant, will we continue in that vein or will we remain as we are fighting for civil rights or fighting for human rights? Malcolm backed up the Honorable Elijah Muhammad and said, we should fight for human rights. We are human beings not three-fifths of a human. I'd like to thank you for, for the time. Oh, no, sir. No, sir. We're going to have to get you back. Uh, I can only say that the title of the show is Afro-Descendants Celebrate Independence Day. Uh, I'm not supposed to what take sides, but Happy Independence Day, Afro-Descendants. I can say that, right? That's okay? Yes, sir. Uh, it is our Independence Day, too. And I'm so happy that you cleared that up because uh, if I'm out grilling, people say, oh, I thought he was this or that. But yeah. Afro can celebrate Independence Day because it's our Independence Day, too, right? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. By Almighty thank you. God. Yes, sir. All thank right. you. Oh, yes, sir. Here comes the music and we're gone. You've been listening to the Invisible Man presents 733. Our guest, Minister Selim, Afro-descendant nation, lost-found nation of Islam, under the leadership, direction, and guidance of the Honorable Silas Muhammad. And I am the Invisible Man. This has been the Invisible Man 733 Presents. Thank you.